This is Alive with Joseph. Good morning once again. And we're looking at redemption number two. And we're going back to our key scripture, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 to 14. Follow me very carefully because I'll be saying some key words that will move you out of bondage and bring you into total liberty. Galatians 3, 13 to 14 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Be made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hanged on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. He said, Christ had redeemed us from the curse of the law. Christ had redeemed us. We have been legally redeemed and our redemption is not one of those things that took place behind the scene. It was openly done and delivered to us. Redemption has been designed to enable you arrive at God's apex for your destiny. And sometimes I've come to discover that what restricts you from getting to the apex of God for your destiny is the bondage and the limitation the enemy places around you via the vehicle of ignorance, traditional beliefs, religious beliefs, and misinformation. Listen, friends, sometimes you can be misinformed. And when you are misinformed, you can be deformed. It takes a person to be well informed for them to experience a transformation. When you are not informed, you can't be transformed. So when we get into the word of God, you begin to see the picture, the scriptures, pains consigning your victory. In redemption. When you get into scriptures via, when you get into scriptures, you begin to see by the help of the Holy Ghost, there's pictures that the Bible paints concerning your dominion as a believer. And every picture the scripture has painted for us is a picture that says two things. Number one, a picture of your victory. Number two, a picture of Satan as a defeated foe. Every picture the Bible paints for us from from Genesis chapter 1 to Revelation 22, it's the picture of two things. The victory of the believer and the defeat of Satan. Listen friends, every time you see the devil painted in the scriptures, it is a picture of him being defeated and stripped of every power. Now the question is, how does a defeated foe still keep many believers in the prison of life? How does a defeated foe, according to the pictures, the scriptures are painted for us, how does a defeated foe still keep many believers bound? How does a defeated foe still keep many believers frustrated, limited, restricted, and hindered? How does he do that? You hear Christians often will say that the devil is after me. That is why things are not working for me. Have you ever heard such a thing? The devil is after me and they think that is sounding religious no it is sounding like you it sounds like one who has been defeated they say the devil is after me that is why things are not working for me you hear christians say you know things like you know i i i can't seem to move forward because satan is after me no you need to understand 
based on the scriptures painted, the devil is a defeated foe and he does not have what it takes to hinder you. Can I get an amen? Give Jesus your highest praise this morning. Come on, shout hallelujah. He doesn't have what it takes to hinder you. How come this defeated foe becomes the major prayer point of many believers? Every time Christians ask for prayers, it is either they are asking for prayers to be delivered of the devil or prayers to be, to be, or prayers, they ask for prayers for Satan not to get at them. Listen friends, according to the picture the scripture has painted, Satan is a defeated foe. That is the picture I see running all across the scriptures. So you need to understand that the devil that you are paying attention to has been defeated. Let me show you some of my discoveries of Satan's defeat. Colossians chapter 2 verse 14 to 15 says, He canceled the record of the charges against us, took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed, not disarmed. He disarmed. The word disarmed simply means past tense. Listen friends, Satan has been disarmed. Not disarmed. He has been disarmed. That is to say, he has been stripped of every power long before you became born again. Are you understanding me? It wasn't the day you became born again that Satan was stripped of power. Long before you became born again. Long before your mama, your papa met each other and they conceived you. Satan was disarmed. He was completely disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities and he didn't stop in disarming them. He shamed them. He ridiculed them. He embarrassed them. How come a man that has been disarmed is still messing the life of believers around? When you hear believers talk, they talk as if Satan is this almighty and they are nothing. But I came with good news to announce to you. That devil that was disarmed is still disarmed and he can never arise from that disarmament. And I declare over you by that disarmament God has delivered you into victory. By that disarm God has brought you into the place of testimonies that cannot be overlooked. Let me hear your amen like a believer. He has been shamed. He has been shamed, put to shame. Listen, why did he do that? His victory over them on the cross. So when you talk about the devil, please, can I beg to differ the way you're exalting him? Are you understanding me? How come this same person, Jesus stripped the devil of everything. Listen friends, he didn't leave anything behind for him. He took everything from him. The devil is a naked man. That is why he can appear. If he appears here now, I will slap him. He's a naked man. He is naked. He was stripped. He was derobed. He was everything he had was taken from him. That's the beauty of redemption. Listen, friends. When you do not understand this, 
you continuously live in bondage. But I've come to understand that the reason why the devil still keeps many believers bound is simply because of ignorance. Psalm 82 verse 5 says, The gods know nothing. They understand nothing. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. They know nothing. They understand nothing. And they have refused to understand anything. So the major challenge for the 21st century Christian is ignorance. Many believers are ignorant. Many believers are misinformed. As a result of misinformation, they have been deformed. And they refuse to be properly informed so that they can be transformed. They refuse. Many believers are bound by religious belief. And because of all of these religious beliefs, people's eyes have been veiled from receiving and seeing the truth of God's word. Because of religious beliefs and the traditions of men, Satan has blindfolded many from accessing the revelation of God's word that is readily available for the believer. Jesus speaking to the Pharisees in a day, in his days, he said to them, Mark 7 13, thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and you do many things like that. He said to them, because of this, your tradition, you have neutralized the impact of the word of God. You have reduced the word of God to an inoperative manual. Why? Because of the traditions of men, you have handed down to men. Listen friends, the reason why the word of God is not producing results in the life of many Christians is because of the traditions of men that has been handed down to them by religion. Listen, the word of God is no longer effective because of the traditions of men that many believers are following. We see the devil in the scriptures defeated, but in the life of many Christians, the devil is still actively in charge. We see the devil defeated in scriptures, but in the finances of many believers, the devil is still actively in charge. Why? It is because of ignorance. The devil has been exalted in the lives of many believers because of their ignorance. And that is why, friends, he has become much more a prayer point in the life of many people. For example... Some of the traditions handed down. For example, there are Christians who cannot sleep at night if they don't pray and fight the devil. Do you know anyone like that? Probably you're one of them. You can't sleep at night. Spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is not fighting the devil. Spiritual warfare is to maintain the victory that Jesus has delivered to you. Let's stop using the word wrongly. Spiritual warfare is not fighting. The, you hear believers will say, you know, you hear believers who say, who I, they constantly have a schedule of praying every 12 midnight. Because they have told them that is when witches are flying. 
Where I came from, witches fly any day, any time. In fact, they hold meetings in the noon. So imagine if you're waiting for 12 midnight, they finish their meeting. Maybe South African witches fly in the night. But where I came from, witches have no time schedule. Witches are in the office with tie. Witches are with Brazilian hair. Witches are driving Mercedes. In case you think that witches are those old women in the villages because of the traditions handed over. Witches are in the city. Witches are in the sub. Actually, witches headquarters are in the suburbs. In case you don't know. So they have a schedule of prayers. They are not scheduling to pray by 12 midnight to have a fellowship with God. They are scheduling to fight Satan. Listen to me, friends. There's nothing wrong in scheduling to pray by 12 midnight. If your prayer is going to be fellowshipping with God and also intercession. But if your prayer is to fight the devil, stop it. You better sleep. The Bible says, fight the good fight. Put on the screen. Fight. Let me show you the only fight you are supposed to fight. The only fight the Bible allowed you to fight. The certified fight. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Not fight the devil. Stop fighting Satan. How do you fight someone that was defeated, that was disarmed? How do you fight someone who has been rubbished by the death of Jesus on the cross? Give Jesus praise this morning. Christians are afraid of the devil. They respect the devil. They talk to him with every care and caution. How come a defeated foe still has a lot of the redeemed of the Lord in chains. Have them in chains maritally, mentally, financially, materially, spiritually. He still has them in chains. But yet, according to scriptures, he is defeated. How can a defeated spirit keep a person in chains? Over 2,000 years ago, the price was paid in full. Listen to me, friends. The price that Jesus paid for your redemption was in full. The price for your release was completely paid. It was not partially paid. It was paid in full. That is why you need to understand the depth of the price that Jesus paid. Because if you don't understand the depth of the price that Jesus paid, you will celebrate the strength of the curse against the price of redemption that purchased your blessing. Many believers have celebrated the curse over the power and the supremacy of the blessing. They have celebrated the curse over the great price that Jesus paid on the cross. And this is as a result of ignorance. The Bible says in Psalm 49 verse 20, a man that is in honor that does not know is like an animal that perishes. A person, so what the scripture is trying to say is, 
a person can assume the state of an animal in terms of becoming a prey by ignorance. Listen friends, when you are ignorant, you don't take over. When you are ignorant, you don't take charge. When you are ignorant, you are betrayed. When you are ignorant, you are not able to live in dominion. You are not able to live in power. You are not able to live in authority when you are ignorant. The Bible says, they know not. Not because it's not available, but because they do not know what is available. When you don't know what is available, you can take charge of what is available. And that is the problem, friends. That is why Satan is still mounting the throne when he has been dethroned. Give Jesus praise this morning. Christ's heart, past tense, had redeemed you. You are the redeemed and the blessed of the Lord. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. You are not the cursed. Stop telling me about generational what, what, what. What kind of talk is that? When the sacrifice of Jesus was actually, as I said last week Sunday, Jesus did not bring a sacrifice. He himself was the sacrifice. Redeemed you. After redeeming you, Galatians 3, thank you. He blessed you. Come on, say I'm blessed. Listen, let the witches in your village cut diarrhea. Come on, say I'm blessed. Say I'm blessed. Say it again. Say I'm blessed. He redeemed you. Conferred on you the blessing. You are not the cursed. You are the blessed. According to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Put on the screen. It says. Praise be to the God. And the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has done what? Blessed us. With all. Not some. With all spiritual blessing. In heavenly realms. With every spiritual blessing. In Christ. This one says. With all spiritual blessings. In heavenly places. In Christ. You are blessed. But pastor, I don't have a car. The car is not the blessing. Car is the fruit of the blessing. But pastor, and I'm not driving, I'm not living in a big house. Big house is not the blessing. They are the fruits of the blessing. Come on, say I'm blessed. Say it again, say I'm blessed. So friends, you are not the cursed, you are the blessed. You are not the sick. You are in good health and vitality. And if you are sick, First Peter chapter 2 verse 24 says, He himself bore our sins in his own body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness by his stripes. The King James will say, by his wounds, the NIV will say, you have being healed. Everything in the new covenant is past. You have been. You have been. I know, listen, I failed English, so, but at least I could still understand you have been. My English teacher was pregnant when she was teaching us.
It's okay. She was always taking days off. And I liked it. I could play, you know. You have been healed. Matthew 8, 17. The scripture says, this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. Listen, friends. If he took it, you don't have it. Stop saying my migraine, my diabetes, my... It's not yours. He took it. If he took it, you don't have it. He himself. Not someone else. He himself. He, he, what did he take? He took your infirmities... In case the infirmity language is confusing Satan, he said, let's break it down. And your sickness. He took your cancer. He took your diabetes. He took your high blood pressure, low blood. He took the corona. He himself. Come on, declare, say, if he has taken it, I don't have it. took it. You are not a poor. You are the rich. Second Corinthians 8 verse 9 For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich yet for your sake he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. Come on say I'm rich. Are you afraid to be rich? It's good to be rich. Ask those who are rich. I'm telling you. He became poor. He took your position of poverty. And said go. Go and become rich. Let me take care of the poverty here. Your broke days are over. I say your broke days are over. I declare this morning, your broke days are over in the name of Jesus. So you are not a nobody. You are the beloved. You are the beloved. Ephesians 1, 6 says, To the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made you accept. Listen, friends. They may reject you from their circle. But you have been accepted in the beloved. You are accepted. They might have removed you from their WhatsApp group. But listen friends. You belong to a greater group. <laughs> you belong to the group where Jesus is your friend. Eh? God is the owner of the group. The Holy Ghost is the administrator of the group. And every time I check, your name is still in the group. No matter who doesn't like you, your name is in the group. Your name entered the group not because of their likes and their dislikes. Your name entered the group because you are accepted in the beloved. He looked at you and accepted you. When people rejected you, he accepted you. When they looked at you and said, you are not the type that should belong to our inner circle. He said, no, no, no. You are the very one I came to bring in. To the second. Give Jesus praise if you believe you are the accepted. Listen, friends, let no man look down on you. 
When I mean man, I mean human beings. You are accepted. I'm accepted in the beloved. No matter who doesn't like you, you are accepted. You are the redeemed of the Lord. Colossians 1. I hope you're writing these scriptures down. Verse 13 to 14. He has delivered us from the power of darkness, conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. Redeemed you. You are not going to be redeemed. You are redeemed. Redeemed past. And by redemption, you are blessed. Boldly declare, I am blessed. Colossians 1. Colossians 1, 13, 14. Actually put 14. Colossians 1. So, you'll find the scripture there. So, Jesus is not going to die, friends. He has died already. The price is not going to be paid. The price is paid in full already. Ephesians 1, 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the plenty grace he has. The riches of his grace. Listen, friends. Your redemption is through his blood. The forgiveness of your sin, sins is in accordance with the riches of his grace. Not with your moral labor. Hallelujah. How many redeemed of the Lord do I have in the house this morning? If you believe you're the redeemed of the Lord, shout, I am redeemed. Redeemed of the Lord. You are redeemed. Christ has redeemed you. He didn't stop there. After redeeming you in verse 14 of Galatians chapter 3, he conferred on you the blessing. So as you are seated listening to me, you are blessed. By redemption, you have been clothed with the blessing of Abraham. Amen. For the next few minutes, let me explain something here quickly. Let's go a little bit further. What does it mean to be redeemed? The word redeemed means the repurchase of captured goods. Take note of those words. Captured goods or possessions or prisoners. And it is usually done with the equivalent of what was used in buying the goods or the possessions or the prisoners. It will appear on the screen. To redeem means to repurchase captured goods. If you need to take picture, you can. So that instead you make it your screensaver. You, you see it. The, that means to it, you have been, you were a captured prisoner. You were repurchased. To redeem is to repurchase goods or prisoners that were captured. It is to recover, to liberate, to rescue from captivity or bondage or from any obligation or liability. That is, you were a liability. <laughs> and Jesus came and rescued you a liability. Listen. You didn't have liability. You were a liability. That was why Jesus couldn't use animal blood 
Because you didn't have liability. You were. So he needed to bring himself as well. Redemption. Redeemed. In the Bible days, let, let me explain to you. In the Bible days, when a prisoner has been taken, if you are going to get that prisoner back, you will have to buy him back. Now, you are not just going to listen to this carefully. You are not just going to go and ask for that prisoner to be given back to you. You will have to pay the price that is equivalent to the crime that prisoner committed. Now, it doesn't stop there. You will now also pay the, the price that is equivalent to the gravity of the punishment which the prisoner will have suffered as a result of the crime they committed. Let's say there is a cash heist criminal in Polokwani prison and I want them to be out. They've been sentenced to let's say 30 years imprisonment and I want that prisoner out and in that heist the person stole 5 million rands. Now, when I, let's say the system allows it. I'm not saying correctional services allows that. But let's assume the system allows. So, when I go to the, check my sound system. It's crashing. Reduce it. Check it. Check it. When I go to the correctional services. And I say, I want this prisoner. They will say, okay, it's fine. You want the prisoner. He stole five million rands. That was why we were able to convict him. because That was the crime he committed. I said, okay, I'm paying the five million. Then I said, also, he is serving a jail term of 30 years. So you're going to give her the five million rands he stole and also the 30 years punishment that have been attached to his crime before we will let him go. Or else he can't go. Are, are you understanding me? Now, the prisoner didn't have liability. He is a liability. Now, that was you and I. You were you committed a crime and Jesus didn't just pay for your crime. He also paid for the punishment attached to our crime. What was our crime? Sin. What was the punishment of our crime? Death. Why? The wages of sin is death. So, Jesus didn't just carry the cross. The cross was the prize. Reduce this. The cross was the prize for your sin. But the death was the prize for the punishment you were supposed to suffer because of your sin. Did you understand me now? So, because of the, if it was only your 
was seen, the cross was enough. But he needed to pay for the punishment. The wages of sin is death. So he died your debt so that you can live his life. He went to hell so that you can go to heaven. He became poor so that you can become rich. He took your infirmities so that you can enjoy good health and vitality. That's what Jesus did for you. Listen, when you understand this, there are prayers you will never pray your entire life again. When you understand this, in business, in the next six months, you'll be a multimillionaire. Quote me anywhere. You will go back and possess everything that... Be- Listen, you don't need connection. You need Jesus. You saw that on Wednesday. Those who are here on Wednesday. You saw that. You- Listen, friends. When you connect with God... He paid the price. Set you free. Now tells you, go. And the price he paid was not to Satan. Satan had no moral justification to demand for the price of sin. Because the Bible calls him, he is the man of sin. The price he pays was to God. The just God. He is a just God. So he needed to meet the demands of justice for God. That was like when he came out from the grave and the wonderful lady called Mary Magdalene saw him and she wanted to run to him say no, 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 no. Don't come close yet because the transaction is not finished. He said, but go and tell my brethren, I have risen. When he came out, he was carrying his blood now to go and tender because he needed to collect a receipt. So he was carrying his blood. The Bible said he took his blood and poured it and said, God, now you can see. I need a receipt. God said, okay, the receipt is the Holy Ghost. He said, okay, that's fine. He said, but don't send him yet. Let me go and tell them. He now returned back. Taught them for 40 days. He now said, as I'm going now, there's a receipt I'm giving to you. If anybody questions you, the seal of your redemption. (laughs) The seal of your redemption. Tender the receipt. That's why he's your teacher, he's your comforter, he's your guide, he's your instructor. He helps you in everything. And that is why he can't leave you. Oh, you didn't hear me. Maybe over here you hear me. Listen, the Holy Spirit can't leave you. If you're born again, he can't leave you. Do you know why? He's the receipt. Where is he going to? He's a, he, he can't go in. But you know, you, know, you know, in my Sunday school, leave your Sunday school for some minutes. You know, in my Sunday school, they taught us, you know, when you sin, 
Psalm 51. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. When David made that statement, it was in the Old Covenant. He was trying to get into New Testament. He couldn't. And he made it confused. He knew that there was a spirit. I didn't know if God is taking it or not. But when the scriptures showed up, he said, I will never leave nor forsake you. I will not leave you. Listen, friends. The price for your release was perfect. For time, for eternity. It is perfect today, perfect tomorrow, perfect yesterday, and perfect forever and ever. And I declare over you this morning, whatever has embarrassed your redemption before now, I command receive victory in the name of Jesus. I say receive victory in the name of Jesus. I say receive victory in the name of Jesus. I declare this morning over you every sickness that is questioning your identity. Every challenge that is questioning your identity. Every battle that is questioning your identity. I announce over your life this morning, receive your victory in the name of Jesus. Let me hear your loudest amen. I say receive your victory in the name of Jesus. Over that business, receive your victory. Over your career, receive your victory. Over your marriage, receive your victory. Over your children, receive your victory. Over your body, receive your victory. Over your finances, receive your victory. Over your mind, receive your victory. He has given you the mind of Christ. Therefore, I declare whatever is making you lose your mind, I delete it in the name of Jesus. Let me hear your loudest amen. Give Jesus praise this morning. Thank you so much for listening. We believe you were blessed by the word. For more, please visit our website, www.alivewithjoseph.com, as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel, Alive with Joseph Ngocha. Till next time, God bless. <laughs>